In Jesus' life and ministry, he did many things, some ordinary and some miraculous. In fact, John, one of Jesus' disciples, describes the miraculous as signs. In scripture, signs always have a purpose. They point. Jesus' miracles always pointed. They pointed to who he is and why he came to earth. This Lenten season, join Vintage Church as we study these signs to discover what they reveal to us about Jesus' identity. Good morning. Welcome to Vintage Church. Excited that you are here. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of John, the Gospel of John, John chapter 6. That's where we'll be. And if you need a copy of God's Word, either in Spanish or English, just lift up your hand and our Connect team will get you a copy. I want to welcome you, those of you watching online as well. As Eduardo shared, we hope to see you guys very soon in person. We are in week four of our series through this Lenten season, looking at the seven signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. We looked at Jesus turning water into wine. We looked at Jesus healing the official's son. Uh, We looked at Jesus healing the invalid. And this week, we're looking at a different, unique sign where Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fishes. I want to encourage you if you're new or you're wanting to uh, catch up or look for resources, all of our resources are online. You can find them at the link there or the QR code. That's a great place to find sermon notes, V group studies, sermon audio, sermon video, Bible reading plans, all of those kinds of resources. As I thought about this message this week, uh, I thought about my father in law. Recently, my father in law visited us for uh, about a week and a half. And before he came down, Rachel said that he had called her or texted her and said, hey, can you give me directions to your house? Now, you know that we live in the 21st century, right? And you need to know that my father-in-law owns an iPhone, not like a first-generation iPhone, like a new iPhone that you can have iMaps on. And you can punch in an address and you can tell it where you are currently located and it will give you immediate directions. But instead, he was like, so what interstate do I go from here? And then what interstate do I get on? And then what, inter- what, what, uh, what exit do I get off of to get to your house? So that happened, right? And I was like, Eugene, you, you know your iPhone can do all of that for you, right? And he's like, I, I know, I, I just don't like it. I'm like, okay. So we had some things come up in our, in our house where he decided to stay longer. But he was debating whether or not he should go back all the way to Ohio, that's a 12-hour drive, by the way, and then come back. And you want to know why he was debating this question? Because he had some bills to pay. And I said, Eugene, you know that you can pay these bills online. And he was like, you can? I'm like, Eugene, you can download your bank's app and you can pay all of your bills online from anywhere all over the world, including the great state of Louisiana. 
So we downloaded the app, and then it took me about 20 minutes to walk through all of the instructions on how to show him how to operate this application on his phone and where he had to go to pay his bills and all of those sorts of things. I share all of that to say because I started thinking, as much as I hate my iPhone for many reasons, as much as I can't stand technology for a lot of different reasons, I am thankful for the advancements of technology. Amen? It does a lot of great things for us. And I don't think I want to go back. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go back to a rotary phone. I don't want to go back to not being able to text. I don't want to go back to having to purchase a GPS system to show me where to go when I can find it on my phone. And what I want you to think about today, as we look at this, as we look at this sign and we think about Jesus and Jesus uh, you know, multiplying the loaves and the fishes. Why would we want to go back from Jesus when he is so much better than everything else? That's what we're going to see today in John chapter 6. We're going to be in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. If you have your Bible, open it up. The words will be on the screen as well. Here's what John writes. He says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Verse 5, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, which is almost a year's worth of wages. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted, and when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. There's really two things that I want you to see from this passage this morning. And you have to kind of get your mind in a first century Jewish mind to understand a little bit about what's going on in this passage and why what Jesus does is so significant for the people that are there. The first thing that I want you to see is this. The food points to a new and better Moses. The food points to a new and better Moses. Again, look at verses 14 through 15. There's two titles that are mentioned about Jesus that are important in this story. It says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the what? 
the prophet, the prophet who is to come into the world, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him what? King, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, the challenge for you and I is I think we underestimate and we don't have a clue how significant Moses was to the people of Israel. I, I try to think about it this morning just to kind of give us some perspective. Think about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. And think about the significance of those two presidents and how like when we think about who we want as a president, we would say George Washington, Abraham Lincoln were two of the most important and significant presidents of our day. But then think about Billy Graham as a world-renowned and trusted and loved faith leader. And imagine melding those two groups of people together, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Billy Graham, and then you might get an idea of the significant of significance of Moses and who Moses was to the people of Israel. He was not just a political leader, but he was also a spiritual leader in one person. And in Jesus' day... They were looking for this Moses. And so what John tells us is, yes, the food points to a new and better Moses, but what he wants us to see is that Jesus is the new and better Moses. He is the prophet. He is the one who is to be king. Again, the Jews, they were waiting for a new Moses and a new exodus. You have to remember, in Jesus' day, in first century Israel, they are occupied by the Roman Empire. So they are not a free people. And there are a variety of groups in first century Judaism that have solutions to the problem of being occupied by Rome. Some of them were considered zealots, and the zealots were like, we're going to take Rome by force. Some of them were religious leaders like Jesus who were trying to do different things. Some of them were groups that separated and went out into the desert and said, the only way that we're going to make this right is we have to separate ourselves from the world. And right there in the midst of all of this, Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus does something that Moses would have done. Going up on the mountain, feeding the people, speaking on behalf of God, being a prophet. So John is wanting us to see how Jesus is this new and better Moses, how Jesus was going to be the one who led the people out of slavery, just as Moses did for the people of Israel. Take a look at Exodus chapter 16. Exodus 16, the people of Israel have uh, escaped. They've been freed out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and look at what happens. They set out from Elam, all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now that's giving the context. Verse 4 is important. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain what? Bread. 
Sound familiar? I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. The Lord comes to Moses and says, listen, I'm going to use you to bring bread from heaven so that the people have something to eat. Jesus is on the mountain and there's 5,000 men plus women and children who need something to eat. And what does Jesus do? He says, bring me the bread. In another passage, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, God gives a promise, a prophecy to the people of Israel about a new Moses. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet... We just read that word, right? In Matthew chapter 6, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command them. Jesus is the new and better Moses. He was going to do everything that Moses did and then some. And again, you have to understand what's going on in ancient Israel at this point. There is high anticipation of a Messiah, a chosen one coming to liberate, to free the people of Israel. I mean, you know what it's like in the United States of America in an election year? Everybody's like, do we have to think about that now? Right? Every presidential election, every four years, the only thing that you can read about, the only thing that you can listen to, the only thing that you can watch has something to do with who will be the president of the United States of America. And there's always high anticipation, right? There are people for one candidate who's like, this person is the hope of the United States. They're the one that's going to save us. There's going to be the one that eliminates the debt. They're going to be the one that takes care of us. They're going to turn the direction of the nation around. And then you've got somebody else on the other side of the aisle saying, no, 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 it's not that candidate, it's this candidate. And that kind of anticipation that we have in the United States, every presidential election was the kind of anticipation the people of Israel had. They were looking for that person who might be the one to turn things around, to change things for Israel. And what John and the disciples and so many other people following Jesus saw was that this is the person. And one of the reasons they thought that was because Jesus was doing the things that Moses did. He was the one providing for the people. Remember, why did they come to this mountain? Why did they follow Jesus? At the very beginning of John chapter 6, the large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. They saw the miraculous things. They saw the way Jesus was providing. They saw the way he taught. In the other Gospels, one of the things that's highlighted about Jesus' ministry is that he taught with authority. He spoke on behalf of God. He taught like Moses. So they're looking for this new and better Moses. The difference that Jesus was trying to help them understand is that this new exodus was not going to be geopolitical. What I mean by that is it wasn't going to be about being freed from Roman occupation. Jesus was trying to help them see that there is a far greater need than physical boundaries or political power. 
that the greater need, the more significant need for the Israelites then, the Jews then, and for us now is our spiritual need. That all of us outside of Jesus are in fact occupied by an enemy. And that enemy is Satan, the devil. And the only way to be freed from the power of Satan and the only way to be freed from the power of sin that separates us from God is through who? Jesus, the new and better Moses, which is why Jesus came to earth, the second person of the Trinity, God himself, came to earth and put on flesh and died on the cross for the sins of humanity, for our sin, my sin, your sin, that that sin would be removed And that when that sin is removed, then we are able to be reconciled to God. Our greatest need, our greatest need is not political freedom. Our greatest need is our relationship with God. And every other freedom flows from that. When we are reconciled with God, we are reconciled with ourselves. When we're reconciled with God, we can become reconciled with one another. When we're reconciled with God, we become reconciled with all of creation. So Jesus came and died on the cross to free us from that sin, to reconcile us with God, and then rose from the grave, what we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday, to give us that life. And what Jesus and what John is trying to do in his gospel is help us to see how Jesus is this new and better Moses. Jesus was the one that the Israelites were waiting for. For you and I, we no longer have to wait. It's not like we have to look for something else or someone else. We have found him in Jesus. So what John wants us to see is this, that we are to trust the new and better Moses that leads to eternal life. It's not about necessarily finding our best life here and now, but it's recognizing that Jesus provides, yes, our best life now and our best life into eternity. A few weeks ago, I described it like this, that the kind of life that Jesus gives is that abundant life or that deep, lasting life. What Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and he's trying to teach the crowds and what John is writing for us is to help us see that how Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery into freedom. Jesus wants to lead us out of slavery to sin into freedom in him. And it is there in that freedom in Jesus that we find the kind of life we're looking for, deep, lasting life, eternal life. So Jesus is the new and better Moses. The food points to a new and better Moses. But the second thing that I want you to see that we're going to read just a little bit more into is how, number two, the food points to new and better bread. There's something that happens in the Gospel of John, and it happens here and it happens in other places, where Jesus performs a sign, he does something, And then he teaches on what he's just done. So in John chapter 6, he performs this sign. He multiplies the fish and the loaves. And then he kind of gets away because the crowds are pressing in on him. Next week, Pastor Matthew Weaver is going to talk about Jesus walking on the water. Spoiler alert, I know. And then after he walks on the water, he teaches 
about the sign that he just performed about multiplying the fish and the loaves. Look at John chapter 6, starting in verse 26. The crowd has come back to Jesus. He walked on water. He multiplied the fish and the loaves. Now the crowd is there again. And he says this, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw what? Signs. But because you ate your fill. That word fill, if you want to make a note there, it can mean satisfy. You're following me because you ate your fill or you were satisfied with the loaves. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to what? Okay, the, the words are on the screen, right? They are, they're underlined too, right? That's what I thought. These words lead to what? There we go, eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you what? Believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we must see and believe you? Now, is this not crazy? Jesus has not just performed one sign. He's already performed two signs. And they're like, give me another sign, Jesus. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, see what they're doing. What are they tying to Jesus? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, what? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. See, what Jesus is doing now is he's tying what he just did. He wants them to see that what I just did points back to what Moses did in the wilderness. But there's a confusion because you think that Moses was the one who gave you manna from heaven. But the manna's from where? Heaven. Who's in heaven? God. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, the manna did not come from Moses. The manna came from God. And by the way, there is a new manna. There is a new bread. See, the food points to a new and better bread, and Jesus is, in fact, the new and better bread. In John chapter 6, this is where we pick up the seven I am statements. Just as there are in John seven signs, in the Gospel of John, there are seven statements that Jesus makes where he says, I am the something. And the first one is he says, I am the bread of life. Now, you have to understand what Jesus is doing here, how he's comparing himself to the manna that came from heaven. But what he's doing when he does this is he is differentiating himself from that manna. How does he do that? Well, number one, he says that he's not only bread, that he's manna. And manna was a miraculous gift from God, which means Jesus is what? A miraculous gift from God. 
The second thing that he does is he says, listen, yes, the people of Israel in the wilderness ate the manna, but even after eating the manna, what happened to them? They died. Jesus said, when you eat the bread of life, you will live forever. So Jesus isn't just like any kind of bread. He is like manna, but unlike manna, where people still ate it and died, you will taste Jesus, the bread of life, and you will live. And then Jesus does this thing that turns almost everybody off when he says, the manna, by the way, is my flesh. (laughs) We're going to get to a point in this story where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood... You have no life. Now, we're reading this after the fact. But imagine being there and being like, this guy's the dude. Like, he's the guy. He's the one. He's the answer. And then all of a sudden, he says, but now it's time to eat my flesh and drink my blood. We've crossed the line, Jesus. Everything up to that moment was great. And we were for it. We're excited about it. But now you've crossed a line. So this is what Jesus does. He says, listen, yes, you had that manna. Yes, your fathers had that manna, but I'm the new and better bread. And then he begins again to compare what the loaves and manna did versus what Jesus did. And again, I want you to see how he's connecting his teaching to what he does with that sign of multiplying the fish and the loaves. Remember that word, fill. He says, the reason that you're here, like right now, standing in front of me, listening to me teach, is because what? You ate your fill. You're satisfied. You're no longer hungry. So the only reason you're around me is because you got your belly full. Right? Remember the first sign? What did Jesus do? He turned the water into wine. Everybody's like, I'm going to every single party Jesus goes to because I want to be there for that sign. And Jesus is like, listen, that's a temporary satisfaction. Eating your fill, getting your belly full, that's a temporary satisfaction where Jesus says, I offer eternal satisfaction. I don't know about you, I'm difficult to please. Rachel's here. Weaver, Pastor Weaver has said this multiple times to me. Like, you're hard to please. I mean, if, I, if you ever take me out to eat and I eat, I'm like, you'll ask me, like, how was it? I'm like, it was okay. Just okay. I, I took you to the best restaurant and it's just okay? Right? It's, I'm difficult to please. I know that. And in fact, sometimes when I find something that I really like, I keep going back to it, hoping that it will satisfy me the way it did the first time I had it, only to be disappointed. It just wasn't the same. And what Jesus is saying is like the satisfaction that he provides is unlike that altogether, that when you taste of Jesus, when you experience his life, and you receive his life, you will be fully and eternally satisfied. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what the bread of life does. It provides eternal satisfaction. So how then do we eat the new bread? What does Jesus say? It's faith. 
He tells us. In fact, he says that the work of God is to believe. We've talked about that word faith. We've talked about it as knowledge. We've talked about it as confidence in something. And then we've talked about how it leads to a trust, that it does something to us, and therefore we trust it, like sitting down in these chairs. And Jesus says, to eat my flesh and to drink my blood is what? Faith. To have belief in me. Now, this passage, throughout church history, has been tied to communion. In fact, Roman Catholics believe that what Jesus is talking about, what John is writing about, is communion. Because in Roman Catholicism, the bread is the body of Christ. The juice or the wine is the blood of Christ. And if Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, then he must be meaning to what? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Jesus clearly connects eating his flesh and drinking his blood with faith. And what I want you to see is I want you to see how communion is tied to our faith. Do I think Jesus means literally to eat his flesh and drink his blood? Or that we should think of the bread as literally the body of Christ and the juice as literally the blood of Christ? No. I want to remind you that the Last Supper, that Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples, they were eating the bread and drinking the wine, not as if it was the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus, but as bread and wine. So I don't think that the elements physically change or even metaphysically change But when John brings this kind of thing up in his gospel, I think he is tying it to communion. And he's helping us see how when we eat the bread and we drink the wine and we remember Jesus' death, that's doing something to our faith. One of the ways that people talk about communion is they talk about it as a sign and seal. Communion's a sign in that it points to Jesus and his death. That when you take the bread and you drink the juice, you are remembering his death. He says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. So when we take the elements, we should be remembering. It should be a sign that points to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But it's also a seal. A seal does what? A seal confirms something. right? It means that it's official. When something is sealed, a document is sealed. And so when we take communion, communion is a seal because it confirms our faith in Jesus and in his death. That every time we take the elements, when we eat the bread and drink the juice, our faith is confirmed that we're doing this because we believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is not just the true The new and better Moses, he is the new and better bread. And he tells us that the way that he not only leads to life, but satisfies us in that life is to believe, to trust him. So trust the new and better bread that satisfies with eternal life. This passage ends... Very interestingly, like, like I mentioned, 
We get to the end of the story. Jesus has kind of confused people. And then he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And do you know what happens? The majority of the people following Jesus leave. They're like, again, we were with you right up until that moment. But now you've started talking crazy. And we just can't follow. And there's this interesting passage right at the end of this story where we see Jesus engaging with Simon Peter. And it says this in verse 66 through 69. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the holy one of God see for Peter and the other disciples while they had many questions and no doubt wrestled with what Jesus said And what Jesus could mean when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, they recognized something beyond the sign. They weren't following Jesus just because he did cool stuff. But they saw that the cool stuff pointed to something. The signs, the miracles, It pointed to something beyond the sign and the miracle. It showed them something about Jesus. And while they had many questions and probably many doubts about what Jesus meant when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, what they understood was that Jesus was, in fact, the new and better Moses. That Jesus was, in fact, the new and better bread, and that in him and him alone was found the kind of life they were all longing for. The kind of life that they were hoping for. The kind of life that they knew would ultimately satisfy. Trust the new and better Moses that leads to eternal life. Trust the new and better bread that satisfies with eternal life. Trust Jesus. So I want to just basically end with two questions that Jesus asks Peter. Where will you go and who will you trust? We're all looking And we're all searching for the kind of life that Jesus provides. But if you go anywhere else and you look for anyone else, you're not going to find the kind of life that Jesus offers. Trust him. Trust Jesus to be satisfied with the kind of life that you want and the kind of life that we were created for. Let's pray. Father, we love you. 
And we thank you that you have provided life in Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is the new and better Moses, that he is the new and better bread, and that in him is eternal life. In him is satisfying life. In him is deep and lasting life. Help us to search nowhere else. Help us to trust in Jesus for the kind of life you want us to have. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.